Welcome to the Young Christian Business Guy video podcast powered by CBMC, the show for young Christian business guys about young Christian business guys. We talk sports, we talk business, but most importantly, we talk about Jesus. Today is November 19th, 2020. I am John Harrison, your host, and as a community, we are unapologetically Christian, unapologetically business guys, and unapologetically open and vulnerable about our lives, the challenges that we face, and the faith and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We believe in spiritual mentorship, aka discipleship, learning what it means to follow Jesus and what it looks like to follow Jesus from another man. We believe in the power of peer groups, surrounding yourself with others who are growing in their faith and will help you grow into the man that God designed you to be. Uh, so here today, November 19th, I believe we're about on episode 52, 53. I think this is episode 52. And I'm bringing back a guest from over six months ago, uh, a guy who uh, has a lot to say, has an unbelievable business career, a beautiful family, and we're excited to hear what God's been doing in his life. So without further ado, I want to welcome to the Young Christian Business Guy for part two, Mr. Mick Pickett. Hey, Mick, welcome back to the show. Hey, John. You hear me? <laughs> we got we got you all plugged in, buddy. I'm good. Yeah. What's Hi. new? Hi. Hey. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Where are you currently filming? I'm in the second bedroom of our house, our guest bedroom. Mm. Um, it's not a prestigious office yet, <laughs> but it works. Yeah. It's called the it's called the 2020 office, man. <laughs> That's right. It's the way we're doing it now hanging out in bedrooms, <laughs> Zoom calls on the couch. I love that commercial the other day. I saw it and it's, I think it's a Folgers commercial and they have the Zoom call and the guy's got his shirt on, but his pants are off, you know, and they're, he's drinking the coffee and they're like, uh, we can see you. Uh, <laughs> then there was that other one where they have the, the, the show up and the guy, uh, he shows up and he's in his underwear and he walks outside with his shirt on to in his living room and his three friends are there. And they're like, I thought we were doing happy hour on Zoom. <laughs> It's like, where did we find ourselves? So, yeah. All right, Mick. Well, it's been six months. We last had you on the show in May. Your uh, twin daughters, right? Yep. Twin daughters were two months old. They're now six months, or uh, excuse me, eight months old. What's new, man? What have you been learning as a dad? Man, it has been wild, but great, I guess. As many good things that are difficult are are the best are the best things i guess so those first three months were last time we talked i was right in the right in the middle of it <laughs> and uh it was it was it was crazy um just the schedule shift uh the, the dying to yourself and uh your own uh wants and desires and what you basically just what you even if your motives are pure you want to like have a good productive day you still have to kind of die to yourself and your own schedule and what you think needs to be done and things. So it was that, that part was really hard as, as kind of what culture says, you got to be productive and, and provide for your family and things. And it's easy to justify that. Um, but what I've been learning and hearing from some mentors of mine and things, is just like this time with your family, you don't, you don't get to have it back and it's incredibly value valuable even if the world these days doesn't put as much value or emphasis on 
sitting an extra 20 minutes with your kids and talking to them, you know, I've been learning that that is way more valuable than I previously understood or could understand. So I would say I've been growing in that. It's definitely not easy at times. Um, sometimes you want to get out there, you know, get back to work and get some stuff done and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so it's just been a, a, a challenge, but I, I would say it's been getting better each month and it helps that the babies are sleeping a lot better. <laughs> double, the, double the fun. Yep. So you not only got one beautiful little girl, but two. Yep. And identical. I, identical little girls. What was one thing that you didn't anticipate about being a father that you've experienced? I think it's kind of what I was just saying. Like, I, you, you kind of have this dream in your mind that, you know, you have the, you have the kids and you help them and it'd be so amazing and all these good times and things. Um, but you, you think you're just going to kind of go to work and then my wife is going to take care of the kids or whatever. And it's just a lot more involved, I guess. You, you think you have an idea because you've heard about people having kids and how your whole life changes and all this stuff, but it just doesn't, you, you can't experience it until you experience it, or you can't understand it until you experience it. Mm. So I wouldn't say it's like a completely caught off guard surprise, but I would say, you know, it's just really, you have the opportunity to be, to, to be very involved in your kids' lives. And it's that, it's that balance of how much weight do you give to your uh, work and your schedule and your relationships and how much weight do you give to your family? And that's every, every day. And when you're making your schedule and when you're doing all your things. Um, so I think some people, and I found myself almost doing this a few times where you just, you just start to tip into worldly schedules and meetings. And in, in reality, what I'm doing is I'm just running away from, <laughs> I'm running away from, from my family in some extent. Um, because it's easier to go do my work and do my, and hang out with, uh, even if I'm mentoring people and they're good Christian things, that's easy. That's the easier route. So I've, I've just been trying to bring that to the Lord and help him to help me find the right, the right path of spending, you know, doing my work stuff, which is super important, super awesome, but also spending the right amount of time with the right heart posture when you're with your kids. So you're not just sitting there and, and kind of annoyed and frustrated. Um, instead of out there like being productive, as the world would say. So, hmm. just yeah, just how it, how that was the most the biggest surprise is how clear it is. I guess um, yeah, that's just, good. Just how so to spend a, your time and how to how to be yeah stuff. As a as a as a veteran now of a, uh, being a, a veteran father, eight months in, uh, I know a couple guys that listen to this show that are just recently had a baby three weeks ago, month ago, two months ago. What would you say to that guy? I would say what I, what I've been saying to, to everybody, I guess, for the last couple of years, it's just, you've got to carve out time for one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord. Mm. Before I had kids, it was in the morning and it was easier, but then you have the kids and they're eating like every hour and a half right away. And it just didn't work out as much in the morning, but you have to prioritize that. Because that is the source. That's like the rock solid foundation that you can find to build the rest of your day off of. Um, otherwise, I just find myself scrambling. 
So it's easy to put the Lord on the back burner and just be like, you know, the Lord's here and this is good and everything. But it's like, he knows that you have kids and he knows that you're busy. And he still, he still asks us to draw near to him and he'll draw near to us. So I would say to any new father that draw, I would say press into the Lord more than you ever have. And that will make your parenting better. It'll make your marriage better. And it'll make your uh, margin um, with your work and hobbies and everything better as well. I think you just find more and more clarity the more you press into the Lord. That's really good. And at that point in time, there's so many other things calling for your attention. And that's that's really good, Mick. Okay, the direction I want to go. So this is part two. So part one, there was um, some really profound things you talked about. You talked about quiet time with the Lord. So that's obviously a theme in your life. Um, you talked about a discipline becoming a desire. Um, you talked about handing over kind of conversations to the Lord. You talked about um, taking meetings that didn't make business sense uh, and, and them producing different types of blessings in your life. You, you dropped in a couple hints of your previous life and I maybe want to go back to that a little bit. Previous life, talking about maybe previous prof profession. You now are a realtor, and but previously you did something else, at least to generate <laughs> income. Uh, you you played cards, and I just like I want to hear about that life because I had a I would say a ten year lifestyle. And I want to hear about what that lifestyle looked like for you and kind of what were you striving for? Because at the end of the day, this show is about hearing guys' stories and being unapologetically open about our lives, the things that we've tried to do to fill that well or fill that emptiness. And I just would love if we could kind of hear a little bit about that journey. I think some guys would love to hear about kind of where you ended up and then maybe what that either revealed to you or maybe now has helped you understand how life could be different. All right. <laughs> yeah, I guess when I was maybe 18 or so, my maybe 17, 18, my older brothers um, had introduced me to playing like Texas Hold'em poker. And so I, they taught when I when you turned 18, I could go to Canterbury Park uh, near Prior Lake and uh, kind of just liked it. It was just kind of a cool competitive game because it's not like other uh, casino games um, like Blackjack where you're playing against the house who has a built in advantage. Poker is against other people where there's a whole bunch of skill involved. And there's there's still luck in a sense, but the better players are going to end up with the money more often than not. So I was just very uh, attracted, I guess, to the competition of that and the psychological um, mental game that it was. So that's how I got into it. I just, I got, I, got, you can, I don't like to say like hooked or addicted because it didn't feel like that to me. I, I really liked the competitiveness. So if I was addicted to anything, it was the competitiveness and that you could just keep getting as good as you wanted to get. If you spent more time and, and studied and practiced and things, you could keep getting better. And so that's what I, if, I, if I was addicted to anything, it was that. And I think I'm like that in all stuff, just even if I'm playing like pool or ping pong or whatever, if I really like it, I, I want to really try really hard to be really good at it. So I, so I went, I went to that, I, I, I just played some, it was, you know, just at Canterbury Park. And then I went to Iowa state, uh, probably 2000, the end of 2003 after high school. And some friends there just had some, uh, they introduced me to online poker. And so 
that's right when it was kind of booming, like the World Series of Poker on ESPN and everything. And all these poker sites were coming out and things like that, like party poker, full tilt poker and things like that. And um, so all of a sudden you could play on your computer and some people showed me how to do that. And it was way faster than going to Canterbury Park. You could play more tables and it's an automatic dealer. So it's just, you can get way more hands in. So I could get way better, way faster. So even though that there, you weren't looking at, across the table from other people, there's just a lot of pattern recognition and maybe somewhat similar to like stock market type of stuff. You just can kind of pick up on little changes um, and you can recognize mistakes. And it's probably just a partnership with the way my brain works. Uh, the game fit my, my brain and my personality well, along with the timing of the World Series of Poker kind of exploding the popularity right then. And so we just, I just kind of accelerated pretty quickly in that between 2003, four and five um, to playing like really low stakes. I think I played at the very beginning, I, I deposited $75 and I turned it into $1,100 in like four months playing like 60 hours a week or more. So not a very good hourly rate, but, the, but it was like an internship because I was, I was, I was learning so much. So I went from there. Uh, we ended up there was kind of online um, people were meeting each other kind of like other Minnesota people that were doing this people my age we just all kind of met like at either at Canterbury or or however we met and uh, we kind of got into like learning together and studying together and things um, and just kind of talking about poker and talking about hands and things we mistakes we made and things and like that whole lifestyle was just really exciting to me um, we were we were kind of the cool kids because, you know, people are like, what do you do? Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a poker player, you know, and at that time it was a hot topic and everybody thought it was so cool. And, and so all of a sudden my ego is all is building and I, and I was really good at it. So, so probably around 2005, 2006 is when it really skyrocketed. I think my personality, again, I'm, I'm, I lean more towards taking risks and pick up the pieces later. Like if I feel like I, if I have an advantage. I, I have no problem like going all in as, as the term is. Um, so I risked it a lot. And I think that I had really bad days, but then I also had really good days and I ended up pushing myself and forcing myself to play the best players, even though I knew that they were better than me because I was, I was just determined like that was the only way I was going to get better. And so I would like lose money to them occasionally, like pretty often for a while. But that was the only way for me to learn. So I just kind of, I, I guess I rose through the ranks pretty quickly between 2005 and 2008 or nine. And we made, made a bunch of money. A bunch of my friends made a bunch of money. Um, we got to travel the world. See, you know, seeking everything we wanted to do. You know, we would party all the time, all, all sorts of drinking and stuff. It didn't matter if it was Tuesday or Friday. Like it didn't, the weekend, it didn't make any difference. We, we had no responsibilities, no schedules or anything. And, as far as the world is concerned, that is what you're going. That's what a lot of people are going for is the no responsibilities. You know, they have plenty of money to travel. You know, I had, I had, I was 21, 22, 23, had hundreds of thousands of dollars that I didn't, you know, I earned it, but I didn't work for it in the same sense. So I had no respect for it. And I, there's just a million, there's a million little lessons uh, throughout that. And, and this whole time I was calling myself a Christian. And kind of had like some sort of moral structure of rules I was kind of following back in my head. Like I was really fortunate to never get in any drugs or anything like that. And that was, God, God was definitely helping me there. And 
a few other things kept me from moving to San Diego with some friends and that would have changed the course of my life as well. And so there was some, you could definitely see the fingerprints looking back of God, let the, you know, he allowed me to make my decisions, make a lot of terrible decisions. Um, but he did have some sort of guide on it that I can see now looking back. And the whole time I was just seeking what I wanted, what I wanted constantly. And I had it. I kept having it. And year after year, I would have, <laughs> I would have what the world would say is, is, you know, financial freedom, success, no responsibilities. Amazing. And, you know, on the weekend, you kind of block it out because you're out with your friends or whatever you're doing and or you're traveling like this is great again. But then you have those days when it's just you by yourself or whatever. And I would just get convicted of just like this isn't good. You know, like you're not you're you're not happy. Like, look, be honest with yourself for like two seconds, because the whole this whole time I wasn't being honest with myself. It's just be honest with yourself. You're not actually happy even though you have all these things, you're not fulfilled. Like it's fun in the moment to be traveling and doing all this exciting stuff, but you're not fulfilled. You're not happy. You have, and just being blunt, like I had a hundred thousand dollar car <laughs> and it's just like that. That's what I wanted as a kid. And just like, I had it for many years and it's just like, it's not making me any happier when it really comes down to it. All that it's doing is I'm getting into it, feeling cool. People are looking at me thinking that I'm cool. And all of this approval of man that went deep, deep into me um, in, a, in a way that I didn't even realize how deep the approval of man was seeping into my being. Um, at, at some point, just to fast forward, so all the travel and everything, fast forward to maybe 2013 or so, they had taken away online poker in like 2010. The government had taken it away out of nowhere. And so all of us were out of work after six or seven years of um online poker they just took it away because they wanted to apparently a million dollars of u.s economy money was leaving the country to go to these online poker sites and the government just wanted to plug the leak and so all of a sudden 2010 or 11 no online poker so i'm i ended up playing like in, in some live in some poker casinos and stuff again because it's all that i knew i went down to arizona and played there for a few years and you know it was just i could see my myself morally declining i guess um the money was not nearly as good because i'm only playing one table in the casino compared to playing like 20 tables at once on my two 30 inch monitors where i could just play a thousand hands an hour as opposed to 50 hands an hour um so the win rate goes way down the money goes way down at that time i'd been doing it for almost 10 years and it's just like it was just like chipping away at me and who i was and I guess the, the facade was being exposed more and more each month. Um, the reality was setting in that this is all a, a lie. And it, it really took, uh, in God's gentleness, I guess, he got my attention a few times in 2013 or so. And it, and I, it just hit me out of nowhere one day. I was just like, what am I doing? This can't be it. This can't be everything, Lord. Um, so I, I guess that would be the metaphorical or spiritual like rock bottom that I hit. Um, so that night I like hit my knees and I was just like, Lord, I don't know what to do, uh, but there's got to be more than this. What do I do? I know you're real. I know I've been in charge this whole time, even though pretending like I was a Christian, even though I believed. Uh, but th at that moment, it was a big turning point where I just said, 
there's got to be more, please help kind of thing. I had no framework. I hadn't been like reading the word or anything. So I didn't, I didn't have any elegant prayers or anything. It was just like a cry, a desperation cry. Um, so that felt like the kind of hit the rock bottom and started up going back upward, I guess. But then just to fast forward for the next like three years, I started becoming a better person and more of the person that I wanted to be. But I was definitely dragging my feet. I was going my speed. Like I was facing fears or uh, doing inward work, you know, self working on selfishness or pride or whatever. I was doing it at my own speed. So I was making progress over, you know, 2013, 14, 15, um, but definitely my speed. Uh, so I just, I just kind of laid poker down at that time, 2013. And, and then fast forward to 2018 before I got married. I think I've shared that with you before that that's when the Lord finally got my attention. When I was about to get married two months later, he said, um, or, you don't have time anymore to keep dragging your feet. I know the man that you want to be and the husband that you want to be and going your speed won't work anymore. Like you can't become the man you want to be by the time you get married. You, unless you do it my way and my timing. And so that was the moment 20 or January, 2018, when I actually went all in for the Lord. So, I mean, that's just a quick testimony. I guess I kind of didn't give a ton of poker deal details there, but go ahead with any follow-up questions, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. I just ranted. <laughs> so let's say I have two aces and two queens in the guy across. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, the number one, man, I just vulnerability and authenticity. It's, it's so powerful. And just your willingness to really recount your journey and to share the details, man, you had a, you had the cars, you had the money, you had the, you know, what everybody on YouTube ads talks about financial independence. You know, it's, you know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to be rich. You just want to be in control of your time. And you had that, you had that. But some of the key points that I kind of picked out and I want to really hear from you was this idea of um, you weren't happy, but maybe if I could expand on that, I would suggest you maybe didn't have peace. Uh, you didn't have joy. And because there was probably some happy times in there yeah. where you could distract yourself. And and the words that come to mind for me are are peace and grace. And if you spend any time in the New Testament, you see very often this idea of grace and peace abound to you. And grace is unmerited favor, right? So you had no reason. You, you did not deserve for the Lord to give you the opportunity to come into relationship with him. You and I both don't. But that grace was abounding in your life. Prodigal son returning, right? Is <laughs> abounding in your life. And peace a definition of peace is simply freedom from disturbance, right? You had, you had yeah. a lot of disturbance in your life going on, but this peace was found. And then you had started this journey. It's almost like you live this life where Jesus was maybe the savior of your life, but he was not Lord of your life. Exactly. And the savior is in terms of a salvation conversation, but Lord of your life is really where I believe the fruits of the spirit experiencing heaven on earth can begin now. And what does right. that look like when you place him as the Lord of your life? And so there's just so much power in there, uh, Mick. So you've been able to now find your way into the real estate world and into a awesome, I would say just an awesome fit for you. I think you're just so personable and you connect with people so well. Um, 
kind of what what does your real estate future look like? We last time we talked, you were progressing. The market was really hot. Uh, we're just kind of finishing up that run here locally, at least from my other contacts in the real estate world. Kind of what does your future look like when the, in the real estate side of things? Sure. Yeah, it's been almost almost six years now that I've been doing this. Only recently, I, our small brokerage called Patriot Realty is going to be closing down. Our my the broker was my a good friend of mine that he was he was a very important part of my life. It was probably around 2014, right when I right when I hit that rock bottom. That's funny, a good transition here, I guess. And that uh, when I hit that rock bottom in Arizona when I was playing poker, and I asked the Lord, like, there's got to be more. It was the next day where I started reaching out to people in Minnesota, kind of old contacts and things, people that I cared about, kind of just asking people what they're up to. What are you doing? And this guy named Luke, um, he's a person I always wanted to work with before poker came around. I've known him for a long time. And and he's like, I've just started my brokerage, or I'm just about to start my brokerage. Come back. I'll take you under my wing. I'll teach you everything. And he did. Like he helped, He was a very essential person in dragging me out of my old worldly uh, spiral. And so... Um, actually makes me a little bit emotional. I, I really, I, I really, really care about that guy. And so he, he helped me for the last five years and now he got an awesome job opportunity, uh, continuing to be in real estate, but it's going to be separate from Patriot Realty. So Patriot Realty is going to disperse and I'm going to end up, you know, I'm interviewing at different brokerages and things, but I had a lot of peace about it. I felt like it was the right time for the next transition. And I'm just so thankful for Luke and, and, and everything he did for me. And, and, uh, so I'm excited for the next chapter, wherever the Lord leads. Yeah, that'll be really, really exciting. And, um, just praise the Lord for Luke and the impact he had on your life. And it's all about seasons. Some beautiful things happen during that season. And it'll be exciting to see what God does ahead for you. So one last thing I want to talk about here, Mick, before we close, you made this comment this can't be it. There's gotta be more. I can't be, I can't be doing it just for this. What have you found? Have you found the more? Is there more to it? That's good. That's, uh, I think that's the beauty because you. I grew up in the church and I knew I read some of the Bible. I'd read Proverbs a lot when I was younger. I had seen all these promises of God um, this whole time that I was doing well in poker, but I just didn't believe it. <laughs> you know, you 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 read the Bible and you see these great promises of how life can be as a Christian and how amazing it is with the Lord. But deep, you say you say you believe it. And I think I mentioned this last time too. It's like it was it was head knowledge. I knew it to be true as far as the Bible was concerned, but it was not applied to my life. I didn't I didn't believe it in my heart. I wasn't living from those truths. So I think this process ever since 2018, as I've been diving into sanctification and kind of really taking a deep dive and kind of asking the Lord to search me, know me, break me if necessary. Um Kind of, I heard a cool sentiment the other day that the Lord is, the Lord wants your whole heart and he wants to, he wants to, he wants your whole heart. So I'm asking him to like search, is there any like unloved, unhealed 
like hidden places of my heart that you want to uncover and, and talk to me about and bring healing to, um, you know, and there might in the beginning of 2018, there might've been a hundred, you know, and now, and maybe there's 10 or something and, and that, and I just want him to continue to, to search me and bring those up in his timing and his ways, because every time he heals, every time he heals, I have more clarity. I have more peace. Um, I have more joy and hope and love. Uh, it's, it's like you're, uh, it's like you're a funnel or a drain or something, and he's just like, he's just fi he's just fixing you, you know. He's healing you, and uh, it's an incredible process. And the whole time he, every time he heals you or helps you or whatever, you just love him more, you know. And you learn to love him more, and you learn to receive his love. And then the more love you receive from him, the more you have for everybody else. And so it's just. So it'd be a beautiful process of 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 the head knowledge to heart knowledge, where the where the words he says actually are true. That peace actually is available. And those those principles you're quoting are directly from the Word of God. I mean, First John four is we love because He first loved us. We have only have the capacity to love others when we understand how loved we are. And you're also talking about 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. It's God's will for us to be sanctified. Sanctification has a negative connotation, but sanctification is a beautiful thing. Yes. The reformation and pruning process of refining ourselves and becoming more Christ-like is a beautiful thing. And God's blessings follow his boundaries. It's amazing to watch. And you reference Psalm 139, 23, and 24, which basically says, Search me, O Lord. Right? right. Test my test my thoughts. See if there's any anxious way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. And so you're literally laying yourself before the Lord. And this psalm was the psalm that we read today. If you're following along five psalms a day, Psalm 139 today, seeing it's the 19th, 19, uh, 49, 79, <laughs> 109, and 139. And this was it this morning. I'm sitting there, sitting there going, God, teach me, search me. Is there any offensive way in me? Know my ways and just laying that open before the Lord. And that's exactly what you're talking about doing. But then you're talking about the process of reconciliation and the healing that can take place to become whole again. What a beautiful process. Uh, Nick, <laughs> I love you, man. Um, so, so let's close today with your verse, which is uh, Colossians 3.15, which says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Hmm, interesting that we talked about peace. I didn't even know what our <laughs> verse was going to be. What does this verse mean to you, Mick? It's just, um, it's just come up a lot. It's a verse I had never seen before until maybe September. I don't know how. I just hadn't, hadn't seen it. I mean, I'm not a total Bible scholar or anything, but I feel like I've read through Colossians before and it just never stood out to me which is a beautiful thing about it being the word being alive and active. And, and uh, you could read a book last year and then this year and, and get different things out of it. So this one really jumped out to me in September um, as just uh, an incredible truth. Um, kind of similar to the last time I was on here, I talked about Galatians 5.25 and being in step with the spirit throughout the day. That's one of those things where you're just like, I don't, that doesn't seem possible, but it says right here that it's possible. So mm -hmm. I'm going to ask the Lord and be like, how can I get, a little better at this this week. How can help me to understand this? And so it's the same thing here with Colossians, where 
let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. How? <laughs> you know, how can you do that? You know, but it says you can. You know, he doesn't, it's not in the word of God because it's not, because it's, it's a, some fantasy that's impossible to attain. It's possible for the peace of Christ to rule in your heart. Just like when he was walking through the earth and dealing with all the crazy stuff he was dealing with, he was just at peace, you know, and he was in co confidence in his relationship with the Father. And he could just flow in that. And so just because I don't understand it, I want the peace of Christ to rule in my heart. And I want to work on it. I want next week, I want the peace of Christ to be ruling in my heart more than it is right now. And so I don't know how to do that. So what that causes me to do is seek the Lord and be like, help me. I want this. Because the peace, as far as I can tell, is contagious. And especially in times like this, if you walk into a room where people are, uh, it's chaotic and people are uh, kind of drowning in negativity with all the banter and things that are going on around now. Somebody comes in there with peace and confidence and it just changes the whole room. I think that's the most important thing for Christians to know these days is that you have a lot more value than you think. Every time you leave your house, even when you're in your house, you have peace and joy and love and hope to give people. So if you don't feel that way, just bring it. It says you can do that in the, in the word. So bring it to the Lord and, and just keep working on it. And, and you'll see how amazingly empowering and satisfying and fulfilling it is. You walk into a room, you leave the room and people are in a better mood. And there's no, there's just nothing better than that. So, and it's all, it's all what the Lord is doing within you. And it's just amazing. Peace, man. Peace be with you. Philippians <laughs> 4, 4 through 8. I just want to relay this because this is exactly what you said. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Philippians 4, 4 through 8 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. But here he goes in verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. By prayer and petition, with a heart of gratitude, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Take Brilliant. it to the Lord. Rejoice <laughs> in the Lord. Mick, um, man, I love your heart. Uh, just quick praise to the Lord and what he's doing in your life. I'm excited for you and Dana and the beautiful family, your two little girls, and excited for the new adventure he has ahead. Uh, in the real, real estate world and grateful for you and your heart and your willingness to share. So have a great weekend. Uh, stay on purpose, man. You're an awesome. encouragement. Thanks, John. Love you, buddy. See, See you. You too. <sighs> yeah. Man. Mick Pickett, you can't beat that. So talked about, um, talked about kind of a recap of the first time he was on the show. Uh, quiet time with the Lord. He talked about, you got to go straight to the source. You got to go to the source. Um, why aren't you spending time with the Lord in the morning? Be honest with yourself. Why aren't you doing it? You got to do it. You have to do it. We have to do it. We have to carve out time. And it takes intentionality. Ah, yeah. Focus is not, uh, you don't need to focus with more intensity. You need to focus with more intentionality. So that's mixed words, not me. Go to the source. Press into the Lord more than you ever have. Young dads out there, press in the Lord more than you ever have. That's coming from Mick, not from me. Um, he talked about his Texas Hold'em journey. Uh, he had the financial independence. He had the financial freedom. He had it all. $100,000 car. If you still have it, Mick, let me drive it. Um, 
and he asked the question, there had to be something more. What more is there? Um, he hit his spiritual rock bottom. You know, God will reach us with affection or affliction. And Mick was just at that point where he was like, he was afflicted. He was afflicted. This can't be it. Uh, but grace and peace abounded. Uh, and then he started a journey of not just making Jesus savior of his life, but Lord of his life. And the sanctification process has brought him to a point where the fruits of the spirit are so evident, right? Isn't that what we're after is contentment and peace uh, when we can experience that regardless of circumstances. And so just so thankful uh, for Mick's heart um, and him sharing kind of his journey he's on. So if you want to get connected to CBMC, to a discipleship relationship, to a small group, if you want to process through some of these feelings, like what, what Mick talked about, please visit the ycbguy.com. Y is in young, C is in Christian, B is in business guy, G-U-Y.com. We will get you connected to a one-on-one mentorship, discipleship relationship. We have a presence in over 340 cities and are doing more and more virtually every day. We will get you connected to a small group. We will get you connected to um, a group of peers, a group of, of older guys, whatever you're looking for. Finally, we'll get you connected to the Tuesday call we have for young Christian business guys all across the country or box number four. Check it if you want to learn what, more about what it means to be a Christian. If you're like, I don't even know. I grew up in the church. I have all these questions. The only thing I've ever seen in the Bible is when it's been in a hotel room. Or the Bible was just covered in dust and I never opened it. It's an old relic. How does it even apply today? Or what the heck is evolution? Or how does that apply? If you want to process through these things, we believe as followers of Christ that faith is not the absence of doubt, but it's the processing of doubt. So check that box. We'll have uh, someone reach out to you, get connected, have a conversation. So today, November 19th, 2020, thanks for tuning in to the Young Christian Business Guy video podcast powered by CBMC. I am John Harrison, your host. And until next time, remember, stay on purpose. Take care.